0: Speaking about fire, I, I do have uh, a lot of fire in my heart for this message this morning. I've been sort of carrying it uh, pretty much all week, and maybe, maybe, well, certainly longer than that. And it, it's not really a different message from, from what we've been speaking, but just a different look at things from what we've been looking at in recent times. Um, so it's Isaiah 51. There's, there's a couple of passages of Scripture Isaiah chapter 51 God has a message for his church in Scotland and you know this great book by Tommy McNeil is, is so on point with that um, and it, but it's not just that book it's not just it's not even just here. but God is speaking to his people isn't he at this time? And so're we're, we're, what we need to do, is position ourselves to be in the place that God wants to speak to, that God can speak to us, and that we then receive it and act upon it. Okay? Faith without works is dead, which means faith without corresponding action is dead. So if we if you hear something but you don't act upon it, you don't respond to it, not just because oh, that was a great message, Pastor, or oh, that was a wonderful message but by saying that I'm going to apply that. Implementation after impartation. Amen? So that's what we need to do. Um, so let's just see what God says here. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Well, I know I'm speaking to people today that follow after righteousness and that seek the Lord. I'm not speaking to a bunch of uh, deadheads. I'm not speaking to a bunch of um, apostates or cold-hearted Christians. I'm speaking to people that want to see the move of God. Uh, but he says, hearken to me, or listen to me. Listen intently to me. Look unto the rock when ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit when ye are digged. Now, of course, that's King James. <laughs> it's, but uh, uh, you know the, the King James is wonderful. But doesn't this remind you what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're going to be looking at that if time permits. Hearken to me you that are seeking God, seeking his kingdom and following after righteousness. Okay? In other words, you're not an apathetic Christian. You're not a backslider. You're not somebody who's apostate or just cold You've lost your first love and or, or, or worse, you're lukewarm. You know, God actually says I would that you were cold or hot. Amen? Now God rather would rather we were cold to him than lukewarm. Lukewarm, lukewarm makes God vomit. Doesn't it? I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will spew you out of my mouth. So, he says, look to the hole, look to the rock, look to the hole. What he's talking about, of course, verse 2, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And There's a whole bunch of messages in there. There's a whole, you know, there's weeks of preaching in there. And we, we've covered the Abrahamic blessing and so on, but we're, we're going to press on here. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving in the voice of Melody. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about what we are just been saying. The church is a sleeping giant. Amen. The church is, is, a, is right now, you could look upon it and say, uh, it's got a lot of waste places. You could say, that much of the church is like a wilderness and a desert. Amen? But God says, I'm going to fill in the gaps. I'm going to cover over the wilderness. I'm going to... What what you appear to be lacking, and let me say this to you, you will know this by the end of this message today, it's only an appearance of lack. Because the reality is that everything you will ever need, and way beyond everything your heart desires, and the Lord is already available to you. It's actually inside you. And the Lord's been challenging me with this, and I'm going to—I'll just introduce this thought here, because the Lord keeps saying to me, really, as as a rebuke, not really to me, but as a rebuke to be delivered, not even to you, but the Lord is saying, "Why are you worrying about increasing prices? And why are you worrying about?" Shortages and oh, uh, the empty supermarket shelves, and shortages of this, and shortages of that, and the price of lure packs going up, amen. Because because it is, isn't it? And you know, if lure packs are the only butter for you, then you need to sell it more. But here's what the Lord says okay, if that's your reality, if that's your reality. Then that's where you're walking. But if your reality is God shall supply all your need out of his riches and glory. If you'll walk in that, doesn't matter what low pack goes up to. Doesn't matter what petrol or diesel goes up to. Doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter either that there's shortages. You know, we know for a fact, through inside information, that supermarkets are deliberately deliberately creating shortages. And what's more, their staff not. Why why would they do that? Because there's an agenda, folks. And that's what we're going to look at. There's an agenda. Oh, that's a conspiracy. Are you a conspiracy theorist? No, I'm a conspiracy believer because the Bible tells me there's a conspiracy. Amen. Psalm 2, if you want to really go hardcore, the kings of the earth conspire together against Yahweh and against his anointed, his son. So there is a conspiracy. Amen. But you know, um, if you don't want to believe that there's a conspiracy, that's fine. But there is one. Because if the Bible says there's one, there's one. So it, so God is going to come to waste places, to wilderness, to desert, and transform it. He's, it says Zion. Okay, it says Zion. So God is going to glorify the house of his glory, which is Zion. Hearken unto me, my people, verse 4, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Are we living in the isles? We are, aren't we? So this is very much, and you know, scholars will tell you that from about chapter 40 onwards, Isaiah is addressing a future generation, a last days people of God, a Zion of God, in the isles and coastlands of the earth which back then they would have understood it, and we need to understand it, means the area, the region, the territory that we live in today, the British Isles, northwest Europe. So, my righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, mine arms shall judge the people. Look at this, look at this, verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. Now, l- let me explain what, what he means by that. What he's saying is, he says, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. Okay? What he means there is, is that you need to be looking at planet earth from your seat with Christ in heavenly realms. You see, when you look around you, you see darkness. You see the kingdom of darkness. You see shortage. You see lack. You see violence. You see wars and rumors of wars. You see plague and pestilence. You see all the things that are happening in the earth. But when you look down on the earth from the heavens you see it from God's perspective. And the Bible says he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Rise above it, yes. He shall have them in derision. The things that maybe alarm us, terrify us, frighten us, they don't terrify or frighten the Lord because he's looking down from above. And he's laughing. Okay, sometimes a response should not be to cower in fear. In fact, it should never be that. But it should be to laugh and have the enemy in derision because the Bible tells us he knows his time is short. But here's the question do we know his time is short? <laughs> or are we living like oh, any any day now we're gonna be we're gonna be you know well listen, let me tell you right now, if they burst through the door and, and kill us all, well where are we going? Amen. It's better where we're going than it is here. It's all gravy once you give your heart to the Lord. Isn't it? It's all bonus, it's all profit. And and where we're going, there'll be no more trouble. Because all your trouble is going to be here in this three-dimensional space. So it says, lift up your eyes, look upon the earth beneath. Because it says, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a gamut. Those heavens he's talking about there are the physical heavens. Okay, the second heaven you could argue, or the first heaven, the second heaven. But But we're looking down from the third heaven. Amen. And it says, The earth shall wax old like a They that dwell therein shall die like manner, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Get an eternal from the glory realm perspective on everything that's going on on planet earth is what he's saying. Because this whole shooting match is all going to be changed up. But we're here to transform it and change it right now as much as we can uh, until that glorious day when the Lord appears. But folks, our task has not changed. It's the Great Commission. Disciple the nations, proclaim the gospel to every creature and go and colonize or I like to say it this way, heavenize the earth. Amen. Bring that which is above, here down below, as much as you possibly can, be a vessel of fire and glory to transform everything you see around you, and and look upon everything you see with the eyes of, uh, of who you really are in Christ. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is... My law, fear ye ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. Do not be scared of what you see around you and all the threats and all the the fear-mongering. Don't listen to it, don't be scared of it. In fact, switch off the television when that BBC, 6 o'clock, here we go again. Fear-mongering is on. Amen? And those of you who are on the internet Stop looking at the news and start looking at the good news. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, I'm challenging myself. I like to know what's going on. You know, the Daily Mail, the Express. I mean, my goodness me. It's just propaganda. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment. (coughs) The worm shall eat them up, shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation forever from generation to generation. In other words, this is eternal. Everything else is subject to change. Now we need to press on. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. There's a big, huge message in there. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old, Are no, art thou not it that hath cut rehab and wounded the dragon. In other words, God has already defeated this thing. He's done it countless times now, or many times in history. That system that rises up Egypt, Babylon, all the different kingdoms of the earth that rise up against God's kingdom and God keeps slapping them down but there's coming a time where Babylon's fall, well that's it, Babylon is fallen, is fallen and will rise again no more. And we, I believe, are on the cusp of that. Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea away for the ransom to pass over? Therefore we can even sing. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Amen. Wow! They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Now, folks, you don't have to wait until something happens. Tell sorrow and mourning to flee away. Sorrow, go from my life. Mourning, be gone from my life. In Jesus' name. But here's where I want to go to with this. Watch this. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. This is the Lord speaking. Who art thou? Who art thou that thou shouldst be afraid of a man? Who are you to have fear of man in your heart? How dare you and I have fear of man in our heart? Because why? It brings a snare. It brings a trap. It brings us into bondage. Okay? Who art thou that thou shouldst be afraid of a man that shall die? And of the son of man which shall be made as grass. It doesn't matter who it is. An angry neighbour, somebody you know in, in, in your life, whoever it is, the bank manager or whatever, somebody that you fear, if it's a man, he's going to die, he's just as grass. Folks, there's no man that you should be afraid of. There's no organization that you should be afraid of. There's no institution that you and I, there's no government that we should be afraid of. Okay? Fear of the government is what he's talking about. It really is. Because you say, oh, the government can do this, the government can do that. Well, if you're the Lord's, you need not fear that. And forget the Lord thy maker. See when you fear man, you forget the Lord. Fear a man and forgetting the Lord are two sides of the same coin. Because when you fear man, you've already forgotten the Lord. If you fear only God, then the fear of man cannot touch you. Forget the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has feared, listen, he's saying, you fear continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? Folks, I've preached this, haven't I? Many, many years. And I spoke about the oppressor, because the oppressor here is economic oppression. That's, that's what he's talking about. The fear of man, the fear of, oh, what if? What if I lose my job? What if I, I, I say the wrong thing? What if I, what if, what if I get cancelled? We're in the cancel culture, yeah? What if I say something and they don't like it and I'm cancelled and I'm not welcome in that place anymore? It might be your job. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I say Jesus is Lord and my boss hears me and says, come in, you're sacked. And I, and I can't pay my mortgage. Amen. What if we, we, I give witness to my faith and I, you know something happens and I lose my livelihood? Because he's talking about the oppressor here, somebody who makes you toe the line and who curbs you, restrains you, hinders you, who brings you into bondage, who oppresses you. OK? Just like we, the church was oppressed during COVID. Uh, you, you can go to the off licence, yeah. You can go to the off licence and get mortalized. You can't get into that church till we say you can. And you can get now, but you can't sing. You can't with open face behold the Lord. We'll cover your faces. We'll cover your faces so you don't have open face because the Bible says when you've got open face you're transformed into his image. You can't be transformed into his image when you're wearing the face nappies. can't do it. Oppression is when they tell you if you can worship when you can worship how you can worship and if you break the law You'll get fined or whatever. You understand? It's, it's, so, but I used to, pre- I wasn't preaching all the mechanics, but I preached this for years, and people would look at you like a calf at a new gate. What on earth are he talking about? I'm comfortable. We've got two cars in the driveway. We go three holidays a year. He's talking about economic oppression for the people of God. Come on, what's going on here? What's this guy? T- he's, a, he's one of those prophets, I do, isn't he? you'll be coming next time with the end is nigh placards round about amen and I could see people looking going I see what you mean but that doesn't apply to us, we're in 21st century Britain everything is good, the Tories are in power (laughs) I've got a good pension I've got a great job amen amen People would look at you, and you say, "No, this is this is the spirit of the age. This is this is this is the antichrist. This is Babylon trying to oppress." Oh no, 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 no. Oh, maybe maybe some point way in the future, and certainly perhaps in previous times, but not now. Because what I was doing was a prophetic one.
1: Because let
0: me tell you right now, when loaf packs over seven pound, <laughs> you're oppressed. Amen. <laughs> When you go to the supermarket shelves and the thing that you like isn't there and, and, and doesn't have any prospect of being there, small things, small things, incrementally, yeah? When when people are phoning in sick because they can't afford the petrol to go to work. Amen? When when people are saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing people online talk about They've taken all the light bulbs out of their house. They're eating one meal a day. Folks, that's oppression. Who's oppression? Because let me tell you, the people who are supplying the power, they're not poor. Billions in profits. Supermarkets ain't poor. Doctors ain't poor. Train drivers ain't poor. Amen. But you've got to get four, four buses instead of one train because the train driver's sixty grand a year is not enough. You understand? Oppression primarily hits you in the wallet or the purse or your bank account. Now this is this is ancient ancient prof- prophetic writings. The prophet or God through the prophet saying. You, you're fearing, man, you're fearing what's going on, you're saying, oh, "What, you know, am I going to be paying £5,000 a year for my gas and electric, because that's how it's looking. You know, they keep giving you these figures, i all got up to 3,000, three 3,500, now we're up to four and, a half, and I've actually heard them starting, it's going to be 5,000 by January. You say, well, you know, some, somebody's got to do something. They don't care. The ones that can afford it, we elected them. And what's the first thing every politician does? The minute they get elected and Parliament opens, the first thing they do is vote themselves a price increase on the previous level. Go check it out. So, and and by the way, they're not even going to probably pay for it anyway because they'll probably charge a lot of it to their expenses. And I I read the other day, was it Boris had met with the power companies and and no deal had been (laughs) reached. What are they going to say? Oh yeah, we'll gladly take less money. Come on folks. The Bible identifies, you know, go read Psalm 72. God's requirement of a godly king is that the godly king is a protector of the poor and and smites the oppressors. Who oppresses the poor? The rich. Not the rich, the unjust rich. If that makes sense. Not every rich person is unjust. And certainly not every unjust person is rich. But the oppressors, the primary meaning of this is economic bondage. And you know, that's why when people say, oh, see that prosperity, I'm no for that. Well folks, go without heating then. Because God wants to prosper his people. So that it doesn't matter what they put the prices up to. What you're paying for your lure pack. What you're paying for your gas electricity. Because God says, and this is more, Philippians 4 verse 19 is more real than anything. My God shall supply. Hallelujah. Regardless of the price. See, they put the prices up to destroy the poor. But if the poor won't be destroyed because the poor say poor no more, thank God I'm supplied by the supply that comes from glory realms in Christ. It do not make any difference to me what you put the prices up. My God is Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Amen. I'm not going to worry what man shall do unto me. I'm not afraid of rising prices. I'm not afraid of Planned shortages. Supermarkets switching freezers off. Supermarkets telling their staff, destroy that perfectly good meat. To create a famine that they've been told to by their masters. Oh, you're some conspiracy nut. No, I've got inside information. I know what's happening. And folks, so do you. He says, You forget the Lord. Then look at this verse fourteen. The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed. That's a little bit kind of King Jamesy, but what it means is the captive exile is desperate to be set free. Now let's examine very quickly what captive exile means. It's actually in English a bit of an oxymoron because captive means to be locked in or locked out, a prisoner. And exile means to be locked out. So how can you be both? Here's how you can be both. Especially, because he says, what did he say at the start of this? My people. Well, they locked us down, but locked us out of churches. Amen. We're, We're locked in to a system. Babylon, mammon, Babylon, mammon, same thing. We're locked into it. But we're also locked out of it because we cannot be part of it. So, in other words, we're living in some kind of limbo, in a sense, and we want to be delivered from it. I've got a friend who calls the mammon system the outhouse. Okay? You can prosper in the outhouse. You know, a lot of rich folks out there, but they're still rich only in mammon, in Babylon. They're not rich. Because you can't be rich in Babylon. You can have loads of money. Amen. You can maybe do some stuff that you like to do. Live that you want. Whatever else. But folks, if you don't know Jesus, you're poor. And God's people have been left out of the party, haven't they? When it comes to the economy. When it comes to how things are, we're locked, we can't even have a say anymore in how our country is governed and say, "Eh, by the way, that law you just made is against the word of God. Used to be the voice of a Christian, or the voice of the church, or the voice of the body of Christ. Well, we can't do that. You see, that's what it says in Psalm 2. They want to throw those cords, those restraints off. So we're captive exiles because we're, we're not part of this world but we're being dictated to by this world. And that also is a lot of folks, just ordinary folks that aren't Christians, but you know, they're ex captive exiles in this country. Because you can be born and bred here and everything else. But then you look at people coming in from abroad, and they're getting the houses you're not getting. They're getting the help that you're not getting. Amen. So the captive exile. Do you feel that captive exile? hasteneth that he may be loosed and watch this, and that he should not die in the pit. I don't, I don't want to live in this world I don't, but I, still, I don't want to die not seeing the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't want to die till I see that mighty revival. I don't want to die till I see the overturn of everything that, I'm, that we're looking at right now. I don't want to die till the great awakening. I don't want to die till the sleeping giant awakes and arises. And we see harvests and multitudes and nations and the kings coming. I don't want to die. I don't want to die in the pit. I don't want to die when the church is so weak and, and, and feeble. I don't want to die because I can't get out the pit. I can't get out this rut. And that his bread should fail. In other words, he fears. He fears his bread will fail. He fears there'll come a day when he can't go to Tesco or Asda or Little, and, and, and feed himself and his family. <coughs> Amen? I, I, I'll, I'll just cut down to two meals a day and only have the heating on for two hours a day. Then it becomes one meal a day and one hour a day. Because you see that, let, let me just say this to you. This is the devil's agenda. So, therefore, it's the agenda of all who follow the devil. Depopulation is the agenda. Less useless eaters, as they call it. Okay, less people and less people, less noses in the trough. Okay, that's there. There are there are people, and it shock you who they were. That's how they see the ordinary man and woman. Just useless eaters. Less of them around, the better. So let's cripple the NHS. Let's really pinch the food supply. Let's make it that they can't even eat their homes. Let me ask you right now, is that God's agenda? No, it's not. But it's the enemy's agenda. So what, listen, the prophet here is talking about Britain in 2022. Amen. The captive exile. The fear of man, the oppression. The oppression. We're an economic oppression. We've, we've had the pandemic. We've had the plague. We've had the pestilence. We've we got wars, rumours of wars. How many times have you opened up newspaper, put on the telly, And there's been a threat of nuclear war. The latest on China, Taiwan, the whole thing. And now, of course, famine, shortages, price increase. The three horsemen of the apocalypse, of course, the fourth is death. The four horsemen are riding the earth, folks. So that's the bad news. But what what I want want to do, and, and the time we've got left as well, what's the good news? What's God's answer? Well, let me just tell you this right now. The answer is simple. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall never lack. Hallelujah. Lack is not God's portion for us. Shortage is not God's portion for us. Famine is not God's portion for us. I don't believe it's God's portion for even the unbeliever. But, but guess who is supposed to supply all those who can't supply themselves? You and I the body of Christ, the people of God, God's Zion people, I believe are here in the earth, especially at this. Everything's been pointing towards the last days. We're, not, we're in the last days. But what happens in the last days? The last days the sleeping giant arises. And what does the sleeping giant do? The sleeping giant says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and that can't pay your bills and that can't find health. And, and well-being and, and that need rest and that need anything you need here we are in the church the Zion of God the mountain of the Lord's house and it says in the last days all the mountains all the nations all the people and their kings will say let's go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord so that he will teach us his ways Amen. so that we'll know because we've made such a mess of it and we need to be in that place where they're blessed and happy, we, we came out of a place the other night, Sunday night. We were all in, having uh, uh, m- m- the Golden Arches. <laughs> you know that posh restaurant, the Golden Arches? Also known as McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? And we came out and Alex started talking to one of the delivery drivers, Alec Gillis. And Alex says, the sky says to him I'm a Muslim he says but I'm going to tell you this he says if I've never seen it in my life before he says I know a lot of Christians he said, never seen it he says if I knew that a group of people could be so happy as all you that came out of this place tonight it's made me think I want to go to church yeah, right. yeah. the glory shall be seen upon you folks now that's just a wee thing but, but God's want to do that a thousand times, 10,000 times in power and intensity. And yeah. Because when they see the glory, you know, I believe we'll walk into church and they'll follow us because right there's something on you guys. You know, flames of fire, glory, you know. I believe that's real. He says his bread should not fill. But here's God's answer. We'll get to that. We'll just finish with this. Uh, look at another verse. But I am the Lord thy God. There's the answer. Oh, there's oppression, there's darkness, there's bondage, there's lack, there's, there's the four horsemen. Oh my goodness, what's going on? I'm the Lord thy God. That divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord of heaven's armies, an innumerable company of angels. And every one of them is strapped for for battle. Every one of them is a warrior. Every one of them can crush nations. The the Lord says, I've got got loads of these guys. You're not utilizing them. Because every time you complain about the way things are, you actually make your angels stand. They can't do anything. They can't defend you. They can't protect you. They can't work for you because you've bound them with the words of your mouth. Oh, things are terrible. Oh, have you seen the price of the lower pack? Oh my goodness, how are we going to pay petrol? Oh my goodness. And all the angels are standing going. The price of petrol doesn't matter to us. We'll get you whatever it takes. But all you, have, all you have to do is speak the word of the Lord. My God shall supply. Instead, you're saying, how are we going to cope? The Lord of hosts is his name. Watch this. This, this, is, this, is, this is God's answer. And I've put my words in your mouth and I've covered you in the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundation of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. The Lord says, I've given you my words to speak. Put them in your mouth. I've covered you in the shadow of my hand which means I've given you my spirit, the power of God. The Word and the Spirit, I've given you everything to equip you, everything to enable you, everything to empower you. I've already given you it, and that means that you can uh, lay the foundations of a new earth, plant the heavens, which means bring God's kingdom down to earth. If you want, you don't like what's out there, just change it. Change it with this, and change it with the Holy Spirit. And he's already given us both. Oh, well, what else is there? Oh, oh, we don't need anything else. He's given us everything that we need. The thing is, we're not seeing it. Now very quickly, just close with this. Matthew chapter 6. And if you'll notice, folks, this is a parallel passage. How many believe that Jesus knew Isaiah you know, better than any man's ever known it? He preached from Isaiah when he preached, didn't he? In the synagogue. Isaiah 61, he says, I'm the fulfillment. And they wanted to throw him off a cliff. I'm so glad that this church is at the bottom of the hill, not the top, because they might want to throw me off. Watch this, Matthew chapter 6. Now, we know this very well. Verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which is in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But let's just go forward a wee bit too. Um, verse 25. Or verse 24, watch this. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and serve the oppressor. You cannot serve God and serve Babylon. You cannot serve God and serve Leviathan. All the different names. You can't serve God and serve the system. Okay, you can't serve both. Therefore, in other words, here's how you do not serve mammon. I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Take no thought means do not worry, which means do not fear. Fear not. Don't fear the system. Don't say the system is oppressing me. How am I going to eat? How am I going to afford clothes? You might say, you know what? I shop at Marks and Spencer. But if it gets any worse, I'm going to have to start shopping at Asta. And if it gets even worse, I'm going to have to get into Primark. (laughs) Amen. Ladies, oh, I would never dream of shopping in Primark. But the but mammon, see mammon says you're not shopping, but you like to shop anymore. We're going to put the squeeze on you. Amen. And before long, we will have you rummaging in the charity shops. Amen. For last season's blouses. That's not the men of course. That's a whole different sermon. But that's what that mammon. See mammon. Mammon is there to impoverish you. If you're a Christian, that's the whole point of mammon. Because he said, didn't he, my people. You see, the devil doesn't really care much about the unsaved, the lost. They're just in, uh, they're collateral damage. He's after the people of God. Here's why, because we just read, God's answer is I will put my words in your mouth and I will put you in the shadow of my hand, which is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, so that you'll plant a different, you'll transform things, and you will be the people of Zion. It's the people of Zion that Mammon wants to oppress. You and I, folks. Look at that guy in America, the guy that's got the pillow business has you ever seen a guy more persecuted than him? Because he's a Christian and he's outspoken and he's got a business. And Mammon went all out to impoverish that guy. Amen? Look at, look at Trump, who has been a friend in some respects to the church. Look, look what they're trying to do to the guy now. You see, it's all about oppression and oppression is all about the economy. Let me just tell you this. The mark of the beast, it's, it's an economic mark. So that you can't buy or sell without it. It's all about the economy, folks. It's all about finances, folks. The last great battle of mankind will be fought in the economy. And if you don't have the mark of God on your forehead, you'll take that other one. Because God, as we've said it before, God has... A separate economy. So he goes on that behold, the fowls of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap. We know these verses very well. It's just because we don't have time. You know the verses, read them for yourself. Matthew chapter 6. He says, after all these things, what he's saying is don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry, look at the birds, look at the flowers, they clothe God clothes them. He's saying you don't need to worry about oppression. You don't need to fear. Rising prices, shortages, famines, lacks. You don't need to fear any of that. Why are you taking thought? Jesus says, "Don't worry, don't fear, don't put those things in your mouth." Therefore, take no thought. Saying, "Don't say those things. Don't say how we're going to cope. How are we going? How are we going to cope without our loaf pack? We're going to be utterly butterly eaters." Amen. He says, don't put that in your mouth. Just say, my God supplies me Lurpak. Amen. Amen. The land of butter and honey. (laughs) I'm I'm not in the land of Marjorie. That's that's a a house of bondage. Amen. Margarine is the house of bondage. Lurpak. Amen. Is the house of glory. It's Canaan land. I'm in Canaan land because I've got my fridges full of lure pack. (laughs) Amen. We're being funny, but we've got to start thinking. You need to be lure pack minded, not utterly, butterly minded. Amen. This commercial has been brought to you by... (laughs) But look at this, this is where I want to go with this. Because this is where we started in Isaiah 51, and we're going to finish with this but seek ye well it says here well, after all these things do the Gentiles seek your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things your heavenly father knows you need petrol you need diesel, you need lure pack your heavenly father knows ladies that you need to go to you know uh, Marks and Spencers and all these other nice shops and if you're above Marks and Spencers he knows that too Amen You gents, he knows you need to go to Slayers. Amen? Whatever it is. In other words, you don't have to drop levels just because mammon tells you to. When you want to go buy some nice stuff at charity shops, that's fine. I do. Amen? But, but, But what I'm trying to say to you is, that you you don't be dictated to by mammon. Why? I don't serve mammon. Amen. Mammon, the principality, the spirit of mammon, that doesn't have a say in my life, because I serve God. And if you serve God, my God shall supply all your need. God doesn't care if a pack goes to 10, 15, 20 pound a tub. You want Lurpak. You won't settle for it less than Lurpak. My God shall supply. I use Lurpak a lot, don't I? (laughs) I I do, because it's a great illustration. He says, watch this, and something I want to share with you just before we close. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Couple of things. That doesn't say put God first. Now you hear a lot of people preach that. Oh, yes. What he's saying is if you put God first these things will be added. I know loads of people that put God first and they're poor as a church mouse. That's not what he's saying. He says seek first the kingdom. That realm of dominion. And his righteousness. What does it say over in in Isaiah 51? Follow after righteousness. You that seek the Lord, follow after righteousness. What does that mean? He's not just talking, he is talking, but he's not just talking, we'll close with this, about living a pure, moral, upright life. He's not just talking about that. He's not saying, well, you have to be pure and upright and God will just pile all that stuff in. That's not what he's saying. Righteousness is way more than that. Righteousness really is that old-fashioned word called right standing. If you're in right standing with someone, in other words, there's nothing between you. Okay? But also more than that, you have a right. You see, we have a right to the blessing of Abraham, which is why Isaiah said, look to Abraham. Because Abraham was blessed, and you have a right to that blessing. Okay? If you're not part of Abraham, if you're not Abraham's seed, you don't have any rights. You've not got right standing to walk in that. But let me explain right standing to you very, very quickly. If I decided that I wanted to leave the church right now and go over to that house and walk in and sit down in the living room with that and get the person over there, do I have the right to do that? No, unless the owners of that house tell me, do that anytime. You'll never be challenged, just come in. If I do it right now, I'm liable to be thrown out or at the police. Because I'm not in the right standing with them to do that. I don't have the right to do that. A great illustration, a few weeks ago I went to visit one of our members here in the church, who hasn't been for a while, has been ill, and arranged to meet his brother, who does come to church too, at this guy's house. So David and I got there early, chapped the door, went in up the stairs, sat with the man speaking to him. And within a few minutes, we had the door going, just opening and the man's brother shouting up, that's me in. I didn't have the right to do that. I had to chat with the door, didn't I? If he'd said to me, when you come, just open the door and come in. Then I have the right to do that. Probably wouldn't have done it anyway. But his brother did. His brother was in right standing. His brother had the right because he's his brother. Yeah. That's an illustration of what he's talking about here. Do you have the right? Do you have the right to walk in God's infinite supply? Are you righteous with are you are you are you living? in fellowship with God the Father, then you have a right to say, Philippians four nineteen Father, you will supply all my need, hallelujah, according to your infinite riches and glory <coughs> by Christ Jesus, because Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my right. I'm in right standing with you because I'm in Christ. But a sinner couldn't walk in and say, I'm going to have some of that. Only by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior then that gives them the right standing. So we're not talking about some thing that we can't, we can't attain to or, or, or we can't, oh, it's, it's going to be so hard to get righteous folks. Righteousness, the Bible tells us, is a gift. But a lot of Christians want to earn. A lot of Christians won't receive supply. A lot of Christians think, oh, it's all very well him saying that about it does matter about the price of lower pack. But you know, he must have great faith. He must be some kind of general of the faith. Folks, supply is available to every believer. And we ought to get a rise off the economy, a rise off the system, a rise off of Nicola Sturgeon and Boris and all the prophets of gloom and all the economic. We ought to just say, look, I've got an economic forecast here. My God shall supply all your need. You know, folks, if you've got to read it to yourself, five hundred, a thousand times a day, out loud, until it becomes more real in here than anything out there. When it becomes more real in your thinking than, than the economic forecast on Sky News, that's what God wants to say to us today. He wants us to walk in His glory. Why? He wants us to walk in his glory. Because all the riches, all the supply, all the source of everything we ever need is in that glory. And it's not just there for us. We're going to close with a wee quick time of prayer. It's not just there for us. It's not just so that we can get our bills paid and we can eat Lord pack packs steady utterly butterly. It's not just so that you know we're not carpooling Because we we can't afford anything, folks. It's so that we can be overflown. So that others who don't know this God, that we can feed them, keep them, build them up until they do know him and then they can teach others. Amen. My cup's full and running over. It's not running over for me. It's running over for people who need to fill their cup. Because they, don't, they don't know how to get it from, from heaven so they have to get it from somewhere and we're the ones that say look come, come over here for a while stand under there, put your cup under mine my God God is able to make all grace abound toward me that I have always, always, always having all sufficiency and all things getting all my needs met may have enough of a surplus that I can give abundantly to others to every good work, to every needy person, to every poor person. There should be a big sign outside every church. If you're poor, get in here and you, and you, and you won't be much longer. We don't, we're not preaching get rich quick. We're preaching get rich now. Because the minute you invite Jesus into your heart, you're rich. You're richer than any billionaire that ever lived that doesn't know Jesus. Amen. So, folks, let, let's just let's just have a quick word of prayer, and after we close this, let's let, let's just all get into a wee time of prayer, and um, pray this, because a lot of people in our nation are going to be, they're going to be feeling the bite, they're going to be feeling the pinch. There's going to be a lot of suicides, I believe. Unless we pray against it. Because people just can't cope anymore. With what? The oppressor. You see, oppressor implies that there's somebody behind it. Amen? And we know who the oppressor is, don't we? The thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy. Father, we invite you, Lord, now to come Even as you've been here, we believe, already this morning and are here right now, come in greater intensity of your presence to let us know the reality that you are our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our supplier, that, Father, take all fear of shortage and lack and man and every other bondage, Father, of fear. Take it from every heart here right now that every single person will leave here today bold and confident in your supply, And that every one of us, Father, will start to speak these verses. My God shall supply. Father, Lord, we speak it now. And we ask, O God, that we would know the reality of that, not just for ourselves, but for others. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.